everybody, welcome back once again to the GGWP that is, of course, the Geeks and Gaming Worldwide Podcast. I'm Pyrotechnics, and today I am joined by Mad Magical Chase is in the NYC, the Big Apple. He's doing big boy adult things, so uh, that means it will be a two-man show today. Magical, how you doing? I'm just curious as to why they call it the Big Apple. I mean, the Big Pear would have been a weird choice. Or the Pineapple. I think everyone can relate to apples. Coconut. The big coconut? Nah, the big, that's like the big that's pizza. like the Bahamas. The big pizza. Big pizza. I mm. New York is known for their pizza, but I think the name predates pizza. Taco. So how could they have named it the big pizza if pizza didn't exist? Huh. The big pasta. The big pot. Well, I don't know. I th- again, I think the name comes from like before even like all the Italian immigrants. Maybe it was New well, Amsterdam still. So like. The new marijuana? No. No. I mean, I feel like that's Northern California. But yeah, you know. yeah, that's fair. Um, that's fair. I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, one of our listeners will let us know where the nickname comes from. But either way, Chase is there. Uh, he's doing stuff for Unicorn, and uh, he won't be on the show this week. So we will have episode 17 without him. But that's okay, because there's plenty of stuff to cover. Mm-hmm. I was honestly surprised in how much happened in such a short period of time that we just like easily filled out the show notes. And I was like, holy moly. Oh, I know, we didn't have right? leftover stuff from last week. It's crazy. Uh, I was like, when we were doing the show notes, I kind of was like, oh, I don't think we'll have very much. And then we just kept adding more and more and more. And now it's like, oh, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> we even had stuff today, like just coming <laughs> right before we started recording. It's crazy. Uh, we'll get to that in a bit, but... I guess uh, let's dive into it. Let's let's talk about the uh, LCS and how we now have our playoffs set for the North American League of Legends professional scene. And I think a few surprises came in here, Magical. A few. I mean, we have Optic, Clutch, both somehow squeezing how their did way Optic, in. How did Optic do this? I think even they said, ah, we're out. But then they, then they got tiebreakers over Golden Guardians and 100 Thieves. They just had a really good day on that final day. Sometimes you show up on the proper day and you're able to squeeze your way into playoffs where it's... Honestly, I was expecting to be 100 Thieves to be the one that squeezed through. I thought they were going to be... They, they looked like they deserved it. They were on such a tear for such a long time. They had been looking much stronger than they had prior. So I was like, oh, this is 100 Thieves time. This is when they're going to be able to make it. But Optic were playing well on Sunday. It was just a matter of who was there to make it to playoffs and who wasn't. And 100 Thieves looked a little bit shoddy in their tiebreaker game. And then same with Golden Guardians. They looked like they had finally been figured out. Teams are finally starting to pinpoint how to play around them, which had been their strength for such a long time. Was They were the innovators of the late game strat in North America. They were the ones who were willing. I mean, they have Frog, and of course they better be a team that was adept at playing the late game, but Optic knew how to punish <laughs> them before they were able to get out of control, and that's why they're in the playoffs and not Golden Guardians. Yeah, I, I don't even think Optic is the biggest surprise for me. I think actually having Clutch be the fifth place team was a big surprise for me, uh, but I, based on their record, I kind of expect them to drop out in the first round. They don't have a winning record against any of the playoff no. teams. Um, in fact, their best record is against Optic, so they they kind of like... They're kind of like that team that's like, oh, I don't have to be faster than the bear. I just have to be faster than you, you know? Like, they've just managed to beat everyone below them, and that's it. Uh, the- but I, I still think it is it is a pleasant surprise to see them in the playoffs. It, it seems like apart from the top three, well, I mean, 
TSM is fourth, but you know, like apart from the big names, it seems like uh, a lot of uh, power shifts have really taken place here, and even CLG coming back into third place. Yeah, I will. I'll talk about Clutch a little bit first. It's like for Clutch, I look at why they were doing well, and Demonte is a big reason for me that he's been one of the best North American mid laners in quite some time to be able to come out and start looking like. We are actually having talent in North America again. Cody Sun as well. He, he was a great addition to the team. But like you mentioned, it's just being faster than you, not the pair itself. That's really how it was for Clutch. They had a lot of hit, you know, good hits and a lot of bad hits. It just nothing against them. It's just they don't have a good record against the teams that we're going to talk about later. Like Cloud9, Team Liquid, TSM, even CLG. CLG... The moment they brought in Ruin, it started to all click for them. And this is something I had mentioned with the CLG where I'm a big Darshan fan. I love loved him back in Zion Spartan, loved him back in the Golden... Uh, Even the, his the, teachers called him Zion Spartan. <laughs> in the, what was it? The Good Guy University days way back before oh, Team Coast. Oh, Good Game University? Good Game, Good Game, it? yeah. Good Game yeah. University. There Man, that is a real throwback. That, that's when I really started paying attention to them. That's when I first remember seeing Zion Spartan when they were the underdog team to make it into the finals and playoffs, I think, in 2013. They were a fun team to watch. It was unique. It was different. It was interesting. But he just hasn't been the same performing player since then. It was like ever since he left Dignitas and they had the lane swap meta that took over, he was put on the tank duty. He was put on the Poppy, Maokai, Scion, where they were like, you're going to get lucky if you get level 6 by 20 minutes. So have a fun time with that. And he just never recovered from that. He never looked the same. So it is one of those tales of he just isn't the same player anymore. So, of course, the best course of action for counter logic gaming is to replace him with a new face and someone who has been starting to prove themselves, such as Ruin did when he was over in Turkey, and how he looked great on the international stage. So you put someone like that into the top lane, even if he isn't the hardest-carrying top lane, he has a consistent rock now for the team, where Wiggly doesn't have to worry about bot uh, top lane losing. They can focus on bot lane. They can try to see what Stixa and Biofrost are going to be able to do once they're unlocked a little bit more. Same with Power of Evil. They can play around those lanes more than they had to play around the top half of the map because it's no longer a losing lane for them. It's now something that actually has a potential to win out against the likes of Impact, the likes of Licorice, or even Broken Blade. So for yeah yeah for counter logic it just it was the proper fit they just that was the one problem they had in their roster and they fixed it. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, talk to me a little bit about some of the other uh, teams that are you know that are kind of moving on up the charts. For somebody who hasn't watched a lot of uh, LCS since the spring, I know there have been a couple of changes in rosters like Cloud Nine for instance. You know Sneaky no longer no longer there. They've been using Deftly instead. What's been going on with that? So for my knowledge and what I look at with Cloud9, it's more of how Reaper has been wanting to have a 10-man roster for a while. Even though, of course, you know, the rules for international do not allow it. I think the rumors right now are that it's going to be 7-man roster in international coming up soon. Oh, sorry. But um, it's just been a plan of Cloud9 to have a full roster where they can have subs they can do better when it comes to these best of fives in playoff situations because for cloud nine i don't think that they ever assume 
that they're not going to make it to playoffs. They always assume it is a given that they will make playoffs, and that is why they are always prepared for those strategies that would come in in a playoff situation as opposed to a best of one. Normally, best of one, you want to have a very consistent roster. You want to have something that doesn't change up too much. But in playoffs, you want to have more people. You want to be able to go, okay, we can change it up. We can bring Deathly in, who is already learning back in 2018 on Golden Guardians how to play things like Heimerdinger, Swain, more of the mages in the bot lane. And that is when Golden Guardians started to find their wins in the summer split of 2018, was when Deathly had changed, when he had brought out the Heimerdinger, these unusual picks. And that is what I think is attempted now from Cloud9, from Reaper. They want to have someone who can play those strategies, but definitely is also adapt at playing most marksmen. He's great at Draven, especially. That's been one of the pocket picks for him for some time. So they have things that they can bring in where it's... Everyone always memes about sneaky in lane, and then later on, that's I was about he, to say, he pops sneaky, off. Sneaky in lane phase is dead meme now, it looks like, if they're not going to be using him. But it, they still plan on using him. It's they don't. Okay. They don't, so they are they are they are switching around. Right. It's never been a we're replacing sneaky. It's a we have a backup for sneaky for new strategy. Sneaky is still the starting eighty carry. He is the guy we're gonna rely on mostly when it comes to because that's the thing with sneaky too. He is a clutch player. He is someone who does much better in high pressure situations. You look at last year's worlds where. In this uh, beforehand, in summer, he had not been looking like any anything too spectacular. He had been benched for a short amount of time and was put on the, the academy team. Then you come into the play and stage of Worlds, and he pops off. He was the best AD carry in the play and stage. He was looking like one of the best AD carries in the group stage as well. So you can't go and look at Sneak and be like, he's washed up, he's past his time. It's like, no, he just tends to be one of those players that does better when you put more pressure onto him, such as a playoff, such as a world scenario. And he settled into his role, right? I mean, I think I think the thing with Sneaky is he's one of those players, he's one of those names that has been around for so long. You have to think back to like, uh, the, the I think it was the 20, 2013 um, pre-Cloud9, what were they called back then? It was... Quantic. Uh, Quantic, yeah, I was about to say, it, it sounded like Optic, but it wasn't Optic. Quantic, and that, you know, that... that squad has kind of all gone separate ways and a few of them still play you know you still have medios in the scene mm -hmm. but like for the most part sneaky's really been the only one that's hung in there and and for someone who's been like a veteran uh fan of that organization it, it is interesting to see them finally kind of taking some steps to to add in if not competition add in some different styles so we'll see how cloud nine develops obviously i think you look at a team like Liquid, they're still going to look like the favorites for the playoffs. What do you think is going to happen in the first couple rounds of playoffs, Magical? Well, we look at who's in the quarterfinals. It's uh, Counter Logic Gaming and TSM. Counter Logic Gaming going against Optic, TSM against Clutch. Pretty much everyone expected to be Counter Logic and TSM, the two teams that move forward from the quarterfinals. And since Team Liquid gets to choose, it'll probably be them choosing TSM with Cloud9 having to go up against Counter Logic Gaming, because DSM have been looking a lot weaker than their spring self, even though they did, you know, have minor changes here and there. Acadian becoming the starting uh, jungler was uh, some people wondering if that was the best decision for them or not. With how Acadian tends to like to play, he's more of an aggressive kind of jungler. He's not necessarily the turn into award and hope that he just will feed Bjergsen. It is more that he wants to be able to 
be a playmaker. He wants to be someone who is the one getting leads for the team through vision, through playing more assassins. And there's a time briefly in summer where we saw more of the, the Jarvins, the Juanis, the Groguses coming back in. Even if Grogus is more of an AP threat now, there's always the time where he was more of that tank. And even in summer, you saw that briefly. And now you're starting to see more of the Elises, the AP Groguses, the Evelyns starting to come through. So... I'm expecting to see TSM become a little bit more powerful in the, to the playoffs, and that's where it will be tricky because I don't think that TSM nor CLG will be a team that is just a pushover. It's not like before where you're like, oh, it's an easy selection for Team Liquid. Sure, I expect them to go with TSM, but if they chose CounterLogic, I actually wouldn't be surprised. It's not like it's that they're they're that far apart. These two teams, there's a lot of strengths and weaknesses in both rosters, so. It, Feel, it's more like, does Team Liquid feel like X-Smithy can out-jungle uh, jungle, uh, Wiggly, who has always been considered an X-Smithy light in how he uh, performs and how he likes to play a more controlled uh, style? Or do they feel like it's going to be a lot easier for them to play around TSM's Acadian, where they, they can easily use X-Smithy to get control of someone who wants to be a snowballing jungler, someone who wants to get ahead early on, and... Make it so that he is a non-factor and it's all about how their lanes do, which have historically been doing well into that of TSM, especially uh, as of late. Hmm, okay. So do you do you predict any crazy surprises or do you really think that, you know, the, the power rankings are probably going to dictate who ends up coming out on top at the end of the playoffs? I am always a fan of upsets. I'm always a fan of having some crazy shenanigans. Yeah. But I don't think that we're going to see too far stretch of what we expect going into this. Like I said, I expect Counter Logic Gaming to beat Optic. I expect TSM right. to beat Clutch. And honestly, despite who gets chosen by each team, I expect it to be Team Liquid versus Cloud9 in the finals. Because both of those two teams are the top, like in my opinion, the top two North American teams. The finals between them. I think would be very will be very interesting. I don't think it will be like it, it was back in 2018 when they last met met up. I think it will be more that Cloud9 will be a little bit more of a threat to Team Liquid and see how they're going to be able to really perform now that they have people like Blabber and Deftly who are on the bench who can easily sub in and see how they can contend with Team Liquid. Okay, that sounds about right. Uh, let's talk about a couple of the other regions before we move away from League of Legends. And I know you really, in particular, wanted to talk about the LMS, the LLA, and the TCL, which have all wrapped up their summer splits as well. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of give them the brief mentions because we're, it's like everyone's always thinking, oh, you know, look at the major regions. We have LCS that just concluded, you know, the main uh, season just concluded. We're now getting into playoffs. And everyone always forgets that there are other teams that are kind of are that are trying to compete to get to worlds so we look at the lms we already have a team i believe that has qualified now for worlds in j team because i believe oh really that okay they, that's already happened yeah because i believe they have enough points regardless of what happens they will automatically qualify for worlds because yeah i'm just looking at it i think that they what happened through what happened for a through i team a through i team yeah, if J Team made it, what oh. happened to the the first? Uh, <laughs> well, I, that joke will well, never get old. Well, because we have AHQ, so I guess that they're still in the. Playoffs. I can already hear the face palming from across the across our listener base. Yeah, pretty much. That was already me. Uh, that was one hundred percent me right now. Just like, <laughs> oh my goodness. 
But but yeah, come on, man. <laughs> well, dad jokes are all I've got, magical. Let me have this. <laughs> all right, I'll this is it. I'm nothing without that. I'll let you have it. I'll let you have it. But um, but yeah. So they they are the team that I believe for the most part have qualified for Worlds. They're already in the finals for the LMS playoffs. So with how they do it, they do it the gauntlet style. The top team is automatically in the finals, and then they only have four teams that go into playoffs, and that's HQ, Hong Kong Attitude, and Mad Team. No. Flash Wolves. Flash Wolves did not make playoffs, which is a huge thing. That's a first. Right. It's been a big Well, the fall team's been blown up, right? Yeah, it's been a big fall from grace for for them. They looked okay at MSI, but ever since then, they pretty much just blew up and went kaploey. And now it's all on J-Team, who I don't know if people will remember. They're got, they have three members from Ray's Gaming back in 2017. And this was a team that had been looking really strong in the their challenger scene came up had this meteoric rise to fame pardon the pun but they they really did look great but they fell short of making it to worlds because they lost in the finals to flash wolves at that time and then when it came to the gauntlet because they couldn't rely on points and since they were a new team that had just come up through the challenger scene they barely lost out in the finals i think it was it went the full mile it was a full best of five that they lost to hong kong attitude i think was the team that they oh, wow. lost to back then so and now now this team's been kind they lost two members but three of them are on j team now and this has been their story about coming back together as a team and looking great little v on j team especially their ad carry is someone that if we see him at Worlds, which is expected at this point. They pretty much have already guaranteed it. He'll be someone that will be really interesting to watch and see how he's going to be able to perform. But I do want to get a couple more mentions here. So the LA, Latin America, they just concluded their season. They'll have more traditional playoffs like we're used to with the reseeding and everything. Asuras and All Kings, I think, were the number one and two teams. So they're pretty strong. I We've seen Asuras at... Um, international events in the past so if they make it it'll be really interesting to see and then the turkish league so tcl is the final one where we saw royal youth which is a new face for us to see they were the team that took number one seed while i believe it was super massive who got number two and four and that's the team that has wolf by the way so wolf former skt now on to super massive got the second seed and in the playoffs could make it back to worlds on the new team and that is the thing with turkey is they they do tend to have a lot of uh korean imports on the team even Royal. a lot of talent shuffles yeah. in in and out of turkey european korean i think even some chinese players yep. um it seems like a kind of a even almost even more than an a kind of a bit of a melting pot of a region because it's it's a good place to kind of sharpen your skills right yeah that seems to be the perception also you know the teams are always hungry for outside talent because Turkey is not, I mean, it's not the biggest region, but it's its own league just within the country, not within, like, a, a collection of countries exactly. like the EU. Because Turkey has a lot of really good players, and that's why we see Broken played on TSM. They have mm -hmm. great talent. It's just not enough of it. That's the biggest problem. So that's why they tend to have to get a lot more of imports. And, in fact, a lot of their top teams, like Roy, uh, Royal Youth, have Pilot, former Jenner, onto the team as the AD carry, and being... This is pretty much where people almost see it as you can get a new start. You can be the a rookie that goes over here and can make a name for themselves by getting it to Worlds or an international stage. 
or you could be someone who was looked to be quote unquote washed up and nobody really thinks that they're going to be able to do anything. They go over to Turkey, prove themselves in this region, get back to the international stage and everyone's like, oh yeah, they're really, really good. So that's why Pilot, Wolf, Untara is even there as well. And I believe he's oh, yeah. on 1907 Fenerbahce. So you have big names that can easily prove themselves and see how they're going to be able to do against the likes of which like the Besiktas Esports, which has Holy Phoenix, one of my favorite AD care players in Turkey. And I love watching him. So I, I'm hoping that we can Who, see. Who's Dumbledoge playing for these days? Dumbledoge is playing for Galatasaray. Gal- Galatasaray. You, 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 you made an attempt. It's I did. Okay. I, um, I was like, I hope I, I didn't I just want to get you to say it. I hope I didn't butcher it. <laughs> All right, uh, we we running actually quite over on uh, the league stuff, so I I, I would love to talk on this That's for fine. a while, magical, but we do got to move on. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Overwatch League. As uh, those of you who are uh, following along will know, the roster, or rather the uh, the two 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 roll lock, has been implemented for stage four of the Overwatch League, which means you have to have damage dealers, no more goats, goats is dead, uh, and it has caused some interesting shakeups. Uh, after this last week, there are no teams that have not been 4-0'd. The NYXL uh, got 4-0'd by the Chengdu Hunters, who had already kind of been ahead of the curve on experimenting with different types of team compositions this past week. And that left the Vancouver Titans as the only team to not get 4-0'd. Well, the Washington Justice blew them out of the water. And that is a massive, massive upset. And it really just goes to show how much impact this roll lock has actually made. That's what I was going to say. It's it's the fact that I, I've been already on the side of I'm not too fond of the 2-2-2 lock. I wasn't a big, like, big supporter of it initially. I thought it was... An, there did need to be some change to get rid of goats, but I feel like this was too much. I feel like they were going way too far on this one. And pretty much just by seeing one of the... Oh God, I hate this. one of the titans of Overwatch League taken <laughs> down like this. It pretty much spells exactly what I feared. It's that this was too much too soon. Teams didn't have that much time to be able to really practice with it and get used to it. They were comfortable with the Ghost meta. And while you want to get rid of that, you want to make it so that people can look at your esport and be like, I can do that in my solo queue game when I rank up for Overwatch, when I'm trying to get higher. When I'm trying to get whatever points they call it, I always forget. But it it's just not good when you do it too soon, too quickly. It was I remember there was the whole issue years ago back when Riot had changed the lane swap meta. And I'll go back to this for League of Legends just briefly because there were a lot of people who, even myself, were not comfortable with seeing that big change happen mid-season when teams had already been comfortable learning the strategy. It really threw off a lot of what we then expected at the international stage at Worlds because teams who weren't really as comfortable on lane swap meta, who had been not really able to conform to it, now suddenly saw a resurgence. Even if they weren't the best team, they only saw the resurgence because they were willing to practice new strategies before anyone else was. And that's what I'm seeing right here with Overwatch and the problems that we expected when you try to force something on these teams that had been so comfortable before. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know where I stand on this because I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, you know, it is it's a big change and it's implemented mid-season. I feel like this was 
Blizzard's nuclear button, right? Like, this was them saying, look, we've tried to subtly change things. We tried to encourage uh, different types of heroes being played, and nothing was stopping GOATS from happening, so they just pushed the big red button and blew it up. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about this. What what would you have done if you were if you were master of the universe and in charge of Blizzard? What would you have done to to stop goats magical? So honestly, I do think that there needed to be some sort of roster lock, but not this extreme. I think that this limits a lot of more creative strategies teams could still go for. So what I think is that all you'd have to do is that you can't have more than three heroes of a role on a composition. That still enables goats. It still enables goats, yes. But also, you so you have three, you, right? You have three, or you can even no. I'd say you have to lock it at three. You have to lock it at three. But at that three maximum, you can now you can't have another three maximum. All the others have to be a two and one. Oh, I see. So you can have up to three of any role, right? And then no more after that. Then you're not allowed to. Okay, then so you can't basically hit that basically, it's, it's, it's like a softer two-two-two. Right. It's a much. It's like two-two-two with flex. Exactly. That's all you had to do because it, it would that kills goats. You can't do goats, but now you also still can do some different strategies. People not completely. I mean, somber goats exist right. still, but I. Uh, but that's yeah. uh, but I, you know that's more like interesting that. than just regular goats. True. So uh, that somber goats was a counter goats anyway. Exactly. So, so it's. It's still you can still play goats if you wanted to, but at the same time it kills most goat compositions. Okay, well it, it, that seems like a decent uh, idea. Blizzard, please hire Magical, um, but give him enough time off to do the podcast, and uh, we'll be good. <laughs> Everything will be good. Uh, all right, let's let's move on to talk about some event stuff. This last week, Evo 2019, the big fighting game community tournament of the year uh, concluded. Of course, this is. Multiple title games. Um, oh my goodness! I, I like like Mortal Kombat, Soul Calibur, DB Fighter Z, Smash, Tekken. There's so many that it's it's kind of hard to name it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know if I'm even going to be able to uh, go through all of the all the winners because I don't I don't follow the FGC much. I'm a little out of my depth here, and I think Magical, you're you're in a similar boat. This would yeah. probably be more chase territory. Um, but uh, a couple of cool things came out of it. Uh, first off, some really cool shots. I know in Tekken, um, the Pakistani player Arsenal Nash won, and there was this really cool shot of him, like you know, like 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 praying and like saying like thanks, like at the end of and the end of his win, and it was like this really iconic image. Uh, Sonic Fox won in Mortal Kombat. Uh, I didn't actually know that he competed in multiple games, but that's really mm-hmm. cool. Um, it, you know, a lot of cool stuff went down, uh, and it's not the only thing that happened. If we look at uh, a couple of things that were announced. Well, the S in Riot Games is finally getting itself uh, mentioned because it was confirmed that there is a fighting game title in development by Riot, uh, by a rioter at uh, at Evo. But let's all be real. This is this is. I, I I believe I saw a couple news outlets saying this is the worst kept secret in esports. It is. I mean, look, everybody <laughs> knew about it. But like, it was one of those things. Like, dude, I'll I'll tell you this. I knew about it. I, I didn't know exactly when or how or if it would just get canned because I felt like it might. Um, but yeah, like, I'll, you're absolutely right. Lots and lots of people knew that this was happening. But it is cool to see it finally confirmed. That means that Riot is moving forward with it. Exactly. So I, I'm happy. I, I want to see what Riot does. The, I feel like fighting game uh, would be perfect for the universe that has been made for 
you know, Runeterra and how League of Legends has been. There's so many different champions that you could choose. That's why we see the auto chess, the auto battler, whatever you want to call it, of team fight tactics. TFT. It's been going so well because I, I feel like Riot's got all this property that they've created for themselves over the years that it's about goddamn time that we're seeing them use that. I, I agree. It's, I agree. I mean, and that's, that's the thing is like, I do hope it is within their, their league IP because, you know, there's, there's, there's a chance they'd be doing something different maybe, but I think that it is such a rich world. I mean, people have been asking for a fighting game, an MMO, like so many things. And you, you see Riot reaching out into different medium. Um, for instance, they, you know, they're publishing comics in conjunction with Marvel. I don't know if you've seen yep. the the Lux and the Ash ones, but those those Are have been out too. and those have had some success. They look really cool, absolutely. Um, and one day I will read them and review them. Probably the Lux one, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, like Teamfight Tactics, you know, still it's a mode within League, but having a completely different game, uh, presumably not as a part of the client either, utilizing different assets, you know, a more traditional style fighting game. That is super cool, and I'm sure there's going to be some really busted characters. You can probably, like, spin forever on Garen or something like Volibear. that, but we'll see. Volibear. You're going to be Volibear? Just flip people? Yep. <laughs> That's there my goal. Go. Yeah, and I love this, because it, it, it lets people connect with the game and the IP and the characters that they feel so attached to in a different medium that's still a competitive medium. Mm -hmm. That's why I, I'm really hoping that it has a lot of success. I... I like seeing this from Riot. This is something you already mentioned that everyone's been calling for, including myself, that we want the S in Riot Games, and it is officially happening before the 10-year mark. Yes, indeed. Okay, so we'll be linking a, uh, a piece from Unicorn on uh, all the information relating to the fighting game. There's currently no uh, deadline or release date slated just yet. Uh, but they will be working with the acquired Radiant Entertainment, um, which is basically the, the 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 company that they bought back in 2016, which started the rumor mill about making a fighting game. So it sounds like this is finally coming to a head. But uh, really excited to see what comes out of that. Looking for the hashtag second game, the S and Riot games. It'll be uh, it'll be good. Now there's one or two other things that we want to talk about. At, uh, at Evo, because not all of it was good news. Uh, there was, I believe this was right before, right after the finals. I need to look it up exactly, but was it was it the Tekken finals that... No, not Tekken. Was it, it, one of the games, one of the game's finals uh, opened up with a teaser trailer that was actually a joke, but a really, really poor joke that announced, that seemed to announce that Solid Snake would be added to the game. I think it might have been Soul Calibur. Yeah, um, I think it was Soul Calibur. But, but the problem is, this wasn't from the game developers or publishers. It was just Evo. It was a joke. And they got a lot of people really riled up about it. And even the, you know, the people who own Metal Gear Solid, uh, I think it's uh, Konami, mm -hmm. um, were like, uh, what are you doing? I think even and, the voice uh, actor yeah, this, was this upset was, about it. Even the voice actor, the guy who voices Solid Snake was like, dude, WTF. Well, because he's uh, very... Yeah, how not, to, how not to do an announcement. Well, he's very willing to do things like that. He He's okay with that so long as he gets paid for his work, which is fine. That's how it should be. But the fact that it's pretty much... Like, he, I think he made a tweet or said something saying, I didn't do anything on this. Um, this is against copyright. And... 
got to be careful with this kind of thing. Like, not not threatening, just being like, this was a very dumb decision by whoever made it. Yeah, it was it was definitely in poor taste because it it put an expectation out in the world that, you know, the game publishers, the people who work on it had nothing to do with. And it was kind of like, yeah, let, let's let's not let's not do that. But uh, but apart from that, Evo seemed to go over pretty well. I agreed. I agreed. Just hopefully no more of that. Yeah, no, no, no more of that. Uh, let's let's talk a, a few other exciting and hype things announcements before we go into the break. And uh, the first of which is that this was something that we had left over from last week. So it was actually a tweet from July 28th, about nine days from recording, uh, nine days before the recording anyways. And that is that there will be a PUBG Mobile World League. Now, this is kind of following on with the success of the PUBG Mobile Club Open. Tencent, of course, backing this with lots and lots of money. Uh, it just kind of shows that PUBG Mobile is definitely poised to, to make a big breakout. Mobile esports already have been on the rise in terms of prize pool, in terms of visibility, in terms of excitement. Um, and I think this is always interesting because, you know, PUBG desktop has already been a pretty big uh, spectacle, but it does kind of feel like there's even more investment going into the mobile version of the game. And because, you know, visibly it's not hugely different. No. Uh, it, it is, of course, different people managing it because Tencent owns it as opposed to PUBG Corp. Uh, this potentially means we could have you know a big challenge from the mobile scene coming in for next year no no details about what goes into this but just from the name alone world league this is going to imply it's going to be a big worldwide thing um you know potentially on the scale of like the the league ecosystem or overwatch etc so people always made the memes of uh the PUBG killer you know uh, what's gonna kill PUBG? well i feel like this is gonna kill PUBG in a way PUBG Mobile will kill PUBG. Exactly. It's that whole meme of you got to be careful who you trust, not even yourself. And, it's, you know, the guy holding a gun to himself <laughs> in the mirror. Oh, That's yeah. That's pretty much what this but is. It's, it's, it, I was thinking like the Keanu Reeves, like, and then the mini Keanu Reeves, you know? <laughs> like, except the mini one is regular PUBG and the tall one is uh, PUBG Mobile. Exactly. That, that's pretty much what it is because that's where I believe all the money for PUBG is going now. It's going into PUBG Mobile and this has been for some time. So now that is why we are seeing the World League announced and not for the regular one. I feel like PUBG Mobile is going to be the... That is the quintessential PUBG game now. It is... Ev everyone go to that game because that is where all the money is going to be Fortnite has taken over the PC version, so we will take over the mobile version. There you go. Future is going to mobile, so we'll see how that develops. Uh, another event announcement, of course, uh, from last week. This was the Apex Legends preseason invitational. So that's including 80 global teams with half a million dollars, which, you know, compared to the Fortnite World Cup, doesn't sound as impressive. But this is, it's sounding like the first proper Apex Legends event, which is great because. Uh, the Apex devs over at Respawn have been, I think, working around the clock to really make the game better and ready for an esports space. Because even though the hype died down, this is one way to try and bring it back. Uh, the registration is, of course, opened already for that event. Magical, what do you, what do you think? Is it is it too late for Apex to, to be esports, or is this just what the doctor ordered? <sighs> See, this is a problem I've been having with a lot of games, is they want an esports so bad. Everyone wants it, like... This is a problem I even have with Fortnite. It's like, none of it feels natural. It doesn't feel like it was a natural progression. There's just a lot of money thrown out by big companies. I feel like Respawn were too late with throwing their money at Apex. At least with Epic, they did it right at the get-go. They're like, they see their popularity. 
throw more money at it make people continue to want to play it and now this is finally happening happening for apex as people are starting to leave the scene it's one of those things it's like you can't be reactionary from it you have to do what epic did if you want to stay relevant which is continually toss money at it and hope that it sticks and hope people are like oh money i i like money and so yeah i feel like it's just too late for apex i feel like they needed to do this like sometime not now <laughs> months ago when they still had more popularity and now that it's happening in august it's it's just tragic well uh maybe you are right we'll have to find out but uh, you know what it's not too late for magical what a break let's go to a break okay let's talk about blue here at the ggwp we use blue microphones on every episode and i gotta say they are so easy to use and they sound great that professional audio quality you're hearing right now that's a blue microphone their yeti usb mic is the internet's most popular microphone and they have a full line of premium headphones that deliver amazing sound with a unique and super comfortable fit. Blue's award-winning products help countless podcasters, musicians, YouTube creators, and Twitch streamers find and amplify their voices. Learn more about Blue at bluedesigns.com and use the code GGWP in their web store for a 20% discount at checkout. All right, everybody, we are back, and we're moving into the gaming and pop culture section of the episode and we got some pretty breaking news. It came out literally just before we started recording this magical. But uh, and I know this is the right group. This is the this is the core two that are going to be excited about this. Pokemon Sword and Shield has some new information uh, about it coming out. And uh, well, the first of those things is that there are different forms of the Pokemon native to the Galar region, and we got a couple of tastes of them. In keeping with the uh, you know old English theme, we have a Weezing that has. A mustache and a giant top hat that spews smoke. Doug Dibidone. Which is so on brand. Owner of the Dimsdale Dimidone. <laughs> yeah, owner of the Dimsdale Dimidome. Um man, that is a that is a throwback reference. I haven't I haven't I haven't spared a thought for the fairly odd parents in about ten years. Well man. now you have. <laughs> yeah. Uh this is where I would uh this is where I would put my put my cares. If I had any Ooh, uh, nice, nicely. Go. Yeah, he, he yeah. got me. But yeah, we got some. We got some cool forms of new Pokemon. We have a, a Weezing, a, a Zigzagoon that just kind of looks like it's been palette swapped a bit. Uh, but also new evolution forms, um, like uh, this Linoon, which is a third. Or sorry, Obstagoon. Yeah, Obstagoon. Which just Obstagoon just sounds like a weird name. It does, but it sounds like someone tried to say obstacle, and they're like, "But it's a goon." But this is also what I wanted to see coming in from like these the. Galarian, 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 Galarian. Uh, however you say it. Uh, when I the Galleria of jewelry, <laughs> Galar in the Galleria of Pokemon. we're not sponsored by sales. This is the Galleria of Pokemon, my dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is a real Galleria. There's been so many announcements of all these different Pokemon. I I still think my favorite is um is the uh, the what's the land Wulu. Wulu Wulu is still my favorite. I I, I know you're on the cor on yeah, the, the Corgi yeah, one. Yeah, fair. Yeah, Yamper hype train. I'm all about uh, it. But there's a there's another there's another one that looks funny. More Peko, which kind of looks like a really wonky Pikachu. Like a hamster um, version of a Pikachu. Yeah, it's like a hamster Pikachu. And it looks really cute. And then and then apparently it turns all like dark and evil because it gets hangry. Literally gets hangry. I Nintendo, are you trying to tell us something? Do you need a sandwich? I kinda want a sandwich right now. Mmm. Ah. 
Probably should have done that on break. <laughs> uh, too bad. I need another cup of tea. Too bad. Yeah. Too oh bad. well. But yeah, like what did, I I I don't know if I like like all these like weird little things that they're doing. I don't I don't hate it, but I get that I think Nintendo's trying to find ways to tweak the formula a little bit so it isn't just samey. Right, because that's the whole idea with like the whatever the Dynamax things with the giant Pokemon like. I, yeah, I'm not hyped about that. That's weird. But... I I don't I don't care about kaiju battle Pokemon to be yeah. completely honest, but yeah. <laughs> but I get it. It's them trying to keep it fresh and new. It's like, because if they just brought back Mega Evolutions, it's like people would be like, well, well, I want something different. It's this is the exact same game because people kept complaining about that for years. It's like, oh, it's the same game. Now that they're trying to change things and make it unique and different, people are like, I want it to be the same. I liked this. It's like. You're not going to be able to appease everyone. You're not going to make everyone happy. It's the whole idea, too. People are upset about the national decks being gone, which, granted, I'm a little upset by, too, if you're going to have... Yeah, but don't don't look at the, the comments on the Reddit thread, or the Twitter thread, by the way, because that's literally all it is. Yeah, pretty much. Ugh. That's how all of it is. It's like, I can get it to a degree. It's like, come on, Nintendo. It's not that... Or Game Freak. It's not that difficult to put all the Pokemon in this. Like... I know you're talking about different animations, and you have to put it all onto the Switch. Well, newsflash, that's pretty much how it's been for the past couple of years whenever you get a new system. So, uh, it's not that difficult to do. Suck it up. Get it done. But for now, this game still does look good. It does. And there's a couple other things that come with all this uh, new announcements that keep leaking out. I imagine there'll probably be a few more of these before the November 15th release date. But uh, we got a couple new rivals. There's this um, goofy, like, bushy-haired dude named Bede, mm -hmm. uh, who apparently is one of your rivals. And then there's also this, like, gothy-looking chick named Marnie, who has a fan club that follows her around with, like, posters that kind of look like body pillows, which is mildly creepy, but I suppose probably reflects the internet anyways. It does. It, it This perfectly encapsulates both internet culture as well as, like, soccer slash football fans, wherever you are in the world listening. Which, again, we're, we're doing the whole, like, you know, England is the is what the Gala region's inspired by. So having, like, crazy football fans, uh, you know, a la hooligans is probably accurate in keeping with the theme. Exactly. And that's why I kind of like it, Team Yell. I think that is really... Is it called Team Yell? I can't believe it's, that. This is how you know Nintendo's out of ideas, yeah, by the way. It, exactly. Like, Team uh, Loud? Yell. Team uh, uh, Yell. Ship it. Ship it. Let's do I, it. I, yeah. And they could have called... I feel like we could write, we could write better they names. They could have called it, like, the Vuvuzela, if you guys remember those things back... No, they have to do. They have to do a South Africa. Oh, uh, okay, that's uh, that region next. Okay, okay. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. Well, why not just then the you know team team yell? That's what they're going with. So, team Vuvuzela. That was an attempt. Yeah. At a Vuvuzela. Hey, that was man. That's another thing I haven't thought about for like not ten years. But when was that World Cup? Two thousand. Yeah. So like. Seven years. You're welcome. We're really going back in time today. You're welcome. This is, this is a bit of a throwback. You're welcome. <laughs> I I don't know if I thank you for that. In either way, that you're was, welcome. Remember how everyone was just super annoyed about Vuvuzela? Because when you turn your TV on, it sounded like something was wrong with your TV. <laughs> <laughs> However, that's, I'm, that's more like a, uh, what's the word, like an air horn. Yeah. But like, it was like, it was like an air horn with bees in it. That's what it sounded like. Yep. That is. Ugh, 
what a weird instrument. Um, but yeah, so Pokemon, it looks uh, it looks pretty exciting. I'm I, I like that they're trickling out new information. I I don't know how much I like all the gimmicky stuff to be fair, but uh, I'm still gonna play the game and I'm just happy to have one on the Switch. Pretty much. Uh, please, 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 though Nintendo, uh, please make a remake Wind Waker HD on the Switch. That'd be really nice. I want to play Wind Waker again. Wait, we're we bringing up old games that we want remade. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have one? Uh, Banjo Kazooie. Ooh, that is a really can I, can good one. Can I get one, a remake actually. of that? Not on the Xbox 360. I want like an actual yeah. remake. Too. And you could bundle Banjo Tooie with it. Right. That's why. Like, I want that. That that would be a good one. How about, how about Donkey Kong? 64? I was just about to say Donkey Kong 64 would be another yeah. one. Yeah. By the way, when I was when I was in China hanging with Opal, we played the Donkey Kong the DK64 rap. It's so bad. I forgot how bad it Put was. Put your hands together if you want. If you want to clap. Wanna cla Ow, as, how we it go? as we take you through this, this monkey, monkey rap. rap. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> Donkey Kong. <laughs> Man, this is, we're going down memory lane today. Um, but we are, we are uh, running a little bit behind time. So let me, okay, let's keep going. Let me move on into some other news. Uh, so this past week, uh, some of you diehard webheads might know, August 1st was National Spider-Man Day. That's all I got. It was National Spider-Man Day. I didn't know this was a thing, by the way, either. but I love this. I had no clue. Yeah, so apparently it's been going on for years. We call ourselves um, nerds, too. Yeah. Well, you know, my my comic history only goes back a couple of years. I got into it with the MCU, and Spider-Man is my favorite, so I'm gonna celebrate Spider-Man Day, even though it's a week late. So uh, <laughs> even though it happened on August 1st, last Thursday... Happy Spider-Man Day, everybody. Spider-Pig, Spider-Pig, does whatever a Spider-Pig Can he swing from well, a web? No, he can't. He's a pig. Thanks, Homer. This <laughs> is <laughs> all these old references now. Um, I liked him when he was Harry Plopper instead. Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's talk about some comics, though, because I've been wanting to do my own segment for a while. I know you have Weeb Talk, Chase's Chase's Corner. Well, I'm going to make a new segment. I'm calling it Pyrus Comic Picks. And for this week on the picks, I'm going to be talking about a just-completed run of, uh, or just-completed story arc of The Amazing Spider-Man. This is the currently running arc written by Nick Spencer. It is incredible. I cannot recommend it enough, but the arc that I want to talk about is Hunted. So, those of you who know much about Spider-Man will know that one of his most feared enemies, Sergei Kravinov, a.k.a. Kraven the Hunter, uh, who has basically kind of dedicated his life to trying to hunt down Spider-Man uh, in addition to all of the other things that he does. Well, in this arc, Craven and uh, some of his cohorts kidnap just about every single animal-themed villain, which in Spider-Man's world are a lot. I won't get into all the details, but like, you know, like you've heard like the Vulture, Black Cat, all those, like, they're all involved. The Lizard, so many of these bad guys. And, of course, including Spider-Man himself. Uh, they all get captured, placed into Central Park, which is surrounded by a big force field. And Craven has a grand old hunt alongside some uh, really wealthy, like, you know, Captain Planet bad guy business types. And uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but I will just say it is one of the best written like bad guys all over the place kind of free-for-all melee with lots of like side stories going on uh comic arcs that i've read in recent years i cannot recommend it enough and for those of you who like to read in collections 
You can find the trade paperback on Amazon and in brick and mortar stores starting August 27, 2019. That is, again, The Amazing Spider-Man Hunted trade paperback available August 27th. Cannot recommend it enough. Uh, and it's honestly a really good way to just get into this current run of Spider-Man. And uh, that's my comic pick for the week. I like that. I like that. that was Thank good, you, Magical. That was a good section. Thank you. Uh, uh, I appreciate the clap. That's nice. Well, I like that too because it's like, it for me it's interesting because now I get to hear about new comics and be like, ooh, should I buy that one instead of get, getting food? <laughs> it's yeah, it, it is cheaper to buy and trade paperback than what I do, which is buying every single issue ever, and I spend way <laughs> too much money on it. But yeah, dude, if you if you were gonna pick out like a Spider-Man to read, because there's so many of them, like even outside of Peter Parker, I would say Amazing Spider-Man Hunted is is the best arc I've read in a long time. All right, I'll have to keep that in like, mind. Since pretty much since Spider Verse. Which is what the movie Into the Spider-Verse is based on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I'm down. You're selling me more and more with each each sentence, so. Well, I know that's something that I don't have to sell you on, Magical. And that's My Hero Academia. Because we got a trailer a couple weeks back for season four. We already knew the season was confirmed. But how hyped are you after watching that? Well, I mean, that was just an English dub of the Japanese one we had seen before. But it, it doesn't ma matter. It's still in really exciting because a lot of people... Have, but now you can understand that. I, 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 well, I could understand it to a degree before. <laughs> but I'm really excited about how this next season will be because this picks up uh, a spoiler territory for anyone who wants to watch My Hero Academia. This picked up where the last one left off, obviously, where you had All Might pretty much defeat the big baddie. He was able to take down one for all, but at the cost of him no longer being able to fight back anymore. He has used everything. Oh, poor All Might. He has used everything left in his tank. He is pretty much depleted completely. He was already struggling before, and now it's done. I like how he can he can pop into like the super form for like half a second, yeah, and then he just deflates again, it, it, and that's just like been comic relief. It, and that's great. It's like that was the whole setup, anyways. That's what this was all leading was to the point where he could no longer fight anymore, and that's why I kind of like that they're transitioning that now into a comic relief. They're turning what normally would be kind of tragic into something funny, and it's it's also should be an exciting uh, arc that's coming up next, like. A lot of people talk about how this is actually one of the darker arcs that uh, Boku no Hero goes through. And Boku no Hero is uh, one of those uh, shonen that's not really too afraid from getting too dark. Not not quite as bad as like a Demon Slayer kind of aspect, but it's not afraid of having more real life situations come up in this where it's like people can die. People can get really hurt. It's this is serious situations. Right. Yeah, are, like they've, they've, they've touched on it already, like Lita's brother uh you know a, a lot of the other things that have gone down leading up to right. this event have been surprisingly dark for a story that seems so vibrant otherwise exactly and that's why it's like so this next season being considered one of the darker arcs too should already tell you that this we're probably not gonna be too happy and people are probably gonna cry on the internet a lot and there's gonna be certain fan art about certain characters that I'm not going to go too far into detail on because I do not want to spoil too much for people from what I know of the manga. I, I can't, after Endgame, I can't feel feelings anymore anyways. Oh, no. I'm oh. fine. I'm dead oh, inside. No. Bring on all you the misery. You think you're dead inside until this season kicks in the keister. That's all I have to say. All right. Well, that's what I'm looking forward to. Mm -hmm. You should. I can, stop, I can stop burning matches down to my fingertips just to feel a semblance of something. 
<laughs> I wasn't sure if I wasn't sure if you could tell if I was kidding or not. I was gonna wait for a reaction. I was laughing. Was dead silence. I was laughing like uh, silently, like reeling back, trying not to fall out of my chair. You know that's from it's from Spider Verse, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I, yeah. It was just really funny. <laughs> it was just, I still can't believe I still can't believe Nicolas Cage voiced Spider Man Noir. That was amazing. That was that was amazing. Like Nicolas Cage is. We amazing. keep going back to Spider Man. We, I feel like Dude, you're going. He is to. so good. He's perfect. He's perfect. For Happy Spider Man Day, everyone. <laughs> you're just you're making up for it that you missed that day. Yes, and you know, funny enough, this comes off the back of our uh, our Spider Man review bonus episode too, which I know you weren't as jazzed on the movie, but maybe you can get jazzed about those comics. Okay, magical. that that's fair. That that could be my way back mm -hmm. into it. All. Yeah, well, if you want to, you can always borrow my Marvel Unlimited subscription. You can read it. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, well, Hunted won't be on oh, there yet. But that's like, the one I wanted. If you haven't read, if you haven't read like Spider Verse, okay, you should do that. It's dude, it's like fifty issues across what? like multiple titles. It's like such a crazy crossover, but it's so good. All right, when I have more time, I'm gonna hit you up on that. Yeah, and I might read a manga. Or two. Yeah. Uh, or maybe watch some anime. Speaking of, don't you have a weeb talk this week? I do have weeb talk. Ohio gozaimasu, everybody. That is my Japanese for the week. So, guys, we are going to talk about Agretsuko today. So, if you don't know what Agretsuko is, go watch it on Netflix. It is hysterical. It is pretty much, you. the best way to describe it is Hello Kitty meets Death Metal. I'm not even kidding. That is the best way to describe it. Because you have... Gretzko, who's the main person, well, uh, Retsuko, that's her actual name, is Retsuko. It's called a Gretzko because she is an office worker who works at a dead-end job that she doesn't really like working too much as an accountant. She's just, it's just a desk job. She always complains about it, and how she vents is she goes to karaoke, and she sings death metal to be able to relieve a lot of her stress. So it's pretty much just follows Retsuko in her normal life, with her office uh, co-workers and all that stuff, and pretty much shows a realistic side of what look like cute little animal characters, where you could put yourself in their their position. It's like a dead working dead end jobs that you're not really happy with, having situations where it's like, uh, do, you, do who do you date? Who like, Retsuko goes through a whole arc where she ha she feels like she has to get married because she's 23 and she's like, I need to I need to find someone. I'm I'm lonely and all this stuff. So you can you can feel yourself really going with a Retsuko and how she personally feels. And that's why I find this so interesting. Well, not only did we have a season two earlier this year that got released on Netflix, but we have a season three that just got announced. So not only do you get to have one season where when I first watched it, I was like, oh, this was really good. I hope they have more. Now it's like, here's a bunch of uh, Gretzuko because I realize everyone likes this. Plus, we can sell a bunch of merchandise for it. It's super easy. So have at it, everyone. Have at it, weebs of the world, as well as people who love Hello Kitty, but also want to make it so that it's really dark, sinister, and maybe a little bit morbid at times. That's a hell of a Venn diagram. Yeah. I don't know how they. I don't know how they they do it, but they reach so many different like marks with it. It's super funny. I'm, I die laughing throughout most of the episodes, but also I'm like, oh god, I get. I've totally felt that pain of work in other jobs before. I really got into esports, where it's just like, I would wake up and be like, I don't want to do this. I just want to die. Yeah, that's that's a mood. 
Uh, and on that note, I think this is the end of the episode, Mad Magical. Thank you for sharing all of that. I'm looking forward to uh, actually checking it out because I keep passing. I got to go in my Netflix, but I haven't done it. But that is it for us this week. Next week, Chase will be back for episode 18. But in the meantime, on behalf of myself, Pyrotechnics, Mad Magical, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Say goodbye, gents. Bye, gents.